Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Really happy to be joined today by Deborah Lee, who's the founder and CEO of a company called Dancing Panda. I met Deborah at EdTech Week here in New York, which was a fun outing. And as a benefit, I was able to meet folks who I'm now talking to on the podcast. Deborah, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. And thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. And you have an interesting story to tell. We always like to kick things off by hearing our guests' origin stories in their own words. Let us know how you got to this point in your professional life. Yeah, happy to share. I come to you with over 10 years of work experience in the USK-12 world. But before that, I actually worked in technology marketing for many years where I went to business school. I realized that I wasn't super passionate about supporting chief information officers and the problems they had. And mm. um, when I sat back and reflected, I realized that it was really my volunteer work and the impact work that I really enjoyed. And so went on this journey. And after talking to a couple of friends, learned about something called social entrepreneurship. And when I learned that phrase, I, my mind was blown. And so, you know, decided to go to business school, went to Babson, focused on social entrepreneurship and really used that first year of business school to, to think about where and how, like impact is such a big thing. Mm. And I happened to attend a net impact conference and attended a session called Leveraging Your Business Skills for the U.S. the K-12 education sector. And I was hooked and I was like, this is it. This is everything that I've been looking for. And so... That was really a really important key event. And so since business school, have been in a wide variety of roles, have worked at schools, was a director of school operations at one of the Harlem Success Academy schools in East Harlem, worked at another ed tech called Newzella, where they use uh, daily news to teach nonfiction literacy, or they used to in the early days, that was their tagline. Yeah, and have just been in a you know wide variety of roles. But in addition to doing all this work in education, I'm also a parent. Um, I'm a mom. I've got two adorable little girls, Madeline and Eleanor. Madeline's in fourth grade this year, and Eleanor is in first grade. And when Maddie was in first grade a couple of years ago, I realized I had no idea what she was learning in her classroom. And I think that there was like this clash between my personal and professional life. And I was like, wait a minute, I've been working in education for so many years. Why is this happening? What is going? And when I sat back and thought about it, I realized I don't really need to know like the ins and outs and the, you know, all the things of what she's learning. I was like, but I want to know what basic things she's learning so that I can really do some fun games like learning games. Yep. with her. And so I was like, this has got to exist. There are so many free resources out there for parents. And so I was like, this has got to exist. Let me just go Google it. And when I did a little bit more research, I saw that it didn't exist. And I was like, oh man, I think I need to start creating my own games. And that's sort of how I came up with the idea for Dancing Panda. Nice. You know, I've talked about Love Every Baby, which is something I used when my son, Matthew, was zero to three, and now we've transitioned, now that he's a robust three-year-old, we've transitioned to a KiwiCo, which is a physical shipment that comes in once a month through the pandemic. Love every delivery days were like a, a gift from the gods for us. It was amazing in our household. We suddenly had something to do. Also, they were very kind in that they thought of the parents from time to time. It was very much a psychological safety net. We didn't feel as alone. 
you're in a similar space, but the delivery mode is a little different. Can you describe what people get when they sign up for Dancing Panda? Yeah, sure. So I'd like to say that we're like a digital version of KiwiCo. Parents get weekly text messages and they get sent a little message and a link that goes to a right to our website and you get little activities that you can do with your child. So right now I'm really experimenting with the types of activities, but we have two main ones that I'm working with right now, hoping to add others in the future. But one is a trivia question. What is heavier, a ton of feathers or a ton of bricks? And you click to see the answer. What makes Dancing Panda special is that each activity has sort of a what I call learning connection section, which just talks a little bit about what exactly are you learning? Yeah, there's a lot of fun and it's fun to try and guess what the answer is, but how, what, breaking it down a little bit, is this science? Is this math? What is this? And so the parents can really quickly see, oh, this is actually really educational. It is really fun. So we're doing trivia. That's a really easy one. And then we also have grade aligned activities. So we currently have activities for kids in grades pre-K through third grade. And this is meant to be like a five-minute activity, five to 10-minute activity. A parent can read it real quick. They can do it on the spot. Some of them take materials. Some of them, most of them don't. But it's really meant to be, you know, a quick, easy activity. And again, those have learning, the learning connection section as well. Uh, but it was really meant to give an opportunity to parents to, to do something fun. We're all tired at the end of the day. And so... Here it is, right in your cell phone. Here's something that you can do really easily with your kids and have fun. Yeah, absolutely. And parents have been a topic that's come up a lot on this podcast over the last few years, in particular, since the pandemic hit, school became something that was delivered from home. Parents became much more closely acquainted, at least in the early days of the pandemic, around what's actually going on. And then... On top of that, there's been a lot of questions around parents' voice and connecting with parents. There's been a lot of talk about school boards and mm -hmm. how we engage and really build trust back into the relationship between parents and their children's education. I'd love to hear a little more from you on what's it been like working directly with parents as a parent, building learning products that are really tapping into something that maybe has been awoken in recent years? I'd love to get some of your perspective. Yeah, I think definitely what was certainly the pandemic, it was interesting. I initially came up with the idea pre-pandemic, but if anything, the pandemic was a good thing. I'm probably the only person who's going to say that. The good thing for Dancing Panda, because it, exactly right, there was an awareness. I found that I was not the only parent Suddenly parents were exposed to, they, their kid was Zooming right there in the dining room and they're hearing all the things that they're learning. And they're suddenly like, oh, you're learning that? You're learning about shapes in kindergarten? You know, and I think that there's definitely a lot of conversation early on about like, oh yeah, I guess I didn't know what my kid was learning. And now I'm hearing, you know, more about it. I think that's one thing that makes Dancing Panda unique or sort of different from other sort of products out there is that We've intentionally created a product where it's meant to be done like parents and children together. I'm a consumer of Khan Academy kids, like yeah. the app, right? We've all been there. We give an app, iPad or phone to our kid. They go and play with it. I mean, there's tons of great apps that are out there like that. 
but we're doing something a little bit different and we're intentionally creating activities that you are supposed to be doing together as a family. Um, I've got this one family that loves Dancing Panda and actually their high schooler was an intern of mine. And as part of his onboarding process, I said, hey, do you have any, you know, five-year-olds in your life that you could go and test out Dancing Panda with? And he said, oh, well, I actually have my little brother five years old. And so as a family, they started doing Dancing Panda and they're now one of my favorite, they, you know, they love Dancing Panda. They're one of my favorite customers. And they do Dancing Panda together as a family at the dinner table. So you can just imagine mom and dad, the five-year-old and the high schoolers doing Dancing Panda activities. I just thought that that is so special. And I wish that there could be more of that happening. Yeah, absolutely. For me, having just endured our first family road trip, it was delightful. But there are long stretches in there where you're trying to think of what can I actually do just to engage? And it does remind me of the value prop of the KiwiCo and Love Every is that an emotional level, parenting can feel very isolated and separate from all the other activities. And you're responsible for a lot of hours. You know, school is six, eight hours a day tops and not to mention holidays and weekends. How do you bridge out of that time and still feel like you're doing something useful and positive for your kid. And then at the same time, you know, the name is Dancing Panda. You've talked about fun. I'm a big fan of what I like to call flirting, mixing in a little bit of fun, mixing some entertainment value, some joy to the learning experience. Again, as a parent of a three-year-old, it's still front and center, but I do feel like there's a tension over time. And in some ways we lose the ability to have fun while we learn. Can you talk a little bit about how the entertainment value and the joyful element of some of this interacts with some of the more curricular learning aligned components of what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that trying to do something fun is the most important thing. And I think kids can smell it a mile away. And, you know, I see that like as a parent, especially when you're like on a road trip, you have your arsenal of things that you're going to do, right? Yeah. You have yeah. the snacks, you've got the podcast, you've yeah. got the, the coloring books. And so Dancing Panda is, you know, one of those things. I think that you're right, that there is a balance sort of strike between having fun and learning. And I think that as a parent, I think what's, what's sort of tricky on both fronts is, especially as working parents, you're just tired at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, lack of creativity, a lack of time. I don't want to spend my time researching and becoming an expert on first grade learning topics. And then also on the same time, you know, am I Googling like fun summer activities to do on a day off or like fall activities. Yeah, I was doing that just yesterday. You know, Indigenous People Day just happened. And so, yeah, I was looking for things for things to do. And I think that trying to provide opportunities and ideas for parents to, to be able to do, to be able to have both, I think has been really something top of mind for me. The second thing that I'll mention is that I created Dancing Panda for myself, for my family, for my friends, for families really across the nation. And like, Maddie and Ellie, they're like my number one testers. And so uh, literally when I read a new activity that a curriculum writer has proposed or has written, I literally think to myself, would I do this with Maddie and Ellie? Would they find this fun? Would they find it boring? And I have. I mostly have given that feedback being like, I'm really sorry, but 
this like, what is the point of this? You know, given that feedback, because, you know, I think that there's a certain je ne sais quoi, I don't know, that I can't like articulate. I just, it's very, it's like a gut feeling of whether or not. And, you know, as parents, you know, your kid's the best. You know, what's going to be fun? What are they going to be engaging on? And so really our goal is to like send people a whole bunch of different activities. And one mom who was like, my kid loves anything to do with music. And sometimes we, it's not just with music activities, but we've got English and math and science. And sometimes you sort of weave in music into all the different kinds of activities. And so I'm like, well, great. Here are all the music activities, like go to town on that and she'll have fun and they'll do it together. And she won't even know that she's learning because they're having fun singing together or doing whatever it is in the activity. Yeah, I've heard it described as stealth learning. It sneaks up on you. You're just doing something enjoyable. And or in the case of my son, it's anything having to do with cars. Near our apartment, there's a parking lot with six spaces in it. So he understands how to add up to six in all sorts of ways. Uh, the problem is we're going to have to get more parking spaces added <laughs> to improve his addition skills. And then what about the role of the educators and what happens in the classroom? Is that strategically something you're thinking about where lots of times K-12 products really work best when they're integrated and aligned with what's happening in a more formal school setting. How are you thinking about that side of things? Yeah, absolutely. So Dancing Panda right now is we're intentionally providing a product to to families and to parents and caregivers. I mentioned earlier the learning connection section. Something that we do in that learning connection section is highlight concepts or skills that, that kids are learning. And so you'll see over time, oh, here's another English language arts activity. And they're talking about phonemic awareness and that's underlined. And so the goal is then there are, if you were to look at the whole list of like first grade activities, you would see multiple concepts, lots of activities around the same idea. And my hope and dream is this, like the bigger picture is that a parent might notice, hey, you know, I did this activity and they were like not into it or like wasn't feeling it. Oh, I noticed it's around like phonemic awareness. Let me go look up what that is. And, you know, I feel as if with parents and in terms of like parent-teacher relationships, oftentimes as parents, there's like this habit now or something that I've observed that we only contact teachers when something's gone wrong, something yeah. bad has happened. Other than, you know, parent-teacher conference at the beginning of the year, maybe back to school night. They're really like the times in which parents and teachers are just talking are just so few and far between. And, you know, I can imagine a conversation where a parent says, hey, teacher, you know, I was with Billy, I was doing this activity. We're doing something fun called Dancing Panda. We were doing something around phonemic awareness and and he wasn't like getting it. And so that is almost like a conversation starter, a way, an inroad to talking to a teacher. And I feel like with teachers, and I really had a career of like, how can I make teachers' lives more easy? Yeah. You know, and I think that like teachers are hungry for additional information about how their students are doing. Yeah. And I feel like there's such an untapped resource parents like parents know their kids the best and there's this mentality that like parents can't be teachers or don't have the skill set and i'm in no way dancing panda is not meant to replace teachers at all but i think that there's something there in terms of helping to foster the parent teacher relationship and communication and build that bridge and that's something that i really hope to do more of sort of laying the foundation for right now with dancing panda 
Yeah, it does feel like just getting the conversation started is difficult. It's I'm analogizing it now to dietary restrictions where like the amount of attention to food allergies and all that kind of stuff is great in that it's a starting place. But it's also you're just talking about avoiding negative situations. You're not really talking about what strengths do my kids have? You know, fortunately, my Matthew's preschool, they are asking, what is he interested in? So, you know, we obviously said cars and Paw Patrol. <laughs> a large three year old boy gets into the cars and Paw Patrol. He is three. It is what happens. But if that could evolve into something a little more substantive, and then you yeah. are talking about, you know, uh, pre-K through third grade, which as I'm doing more research and, you know, as my son's getting older, that is really a critical window for literacy and basic skilling that really equips you for the rest of your educational journey. Can you talk a bit about why you're focused on this age range? I imagine it's also, you know, your daughters are this age, but can you describe, you know, why it's important and why you're focused there? Yeah, absolutely. So it's so funny that you say, yeah, 100%. The reason why I started out with second grade, because that's where Maddie was. It reminds me of the founders of KIPP. Like, why did you start KIPP in fifth grade? That's the grade that we were teaching. It's a similar kind of thing. Yeah. But as I did more research and I launched Dancing Panda during the pandemic, and one of the lessons learned from the pandemic was that there, obviously there was a huge jump in the use of ed tech in classrooms and at home during the pandemic. But the age group that still really struggled and didn't benefit from ed tech was pre-K to, to second grade. Really mm -hmm. what I think are, you know, what we call the pre-readers. And these little guys, they're, they can't read. They don't know how to read. They're hungry for learning. They want, that's what I remember when I was little, I was like begging for homework because I thought it would be cool to be a big kid. They're just hungry for information and knowledge, but they're dependent on the grownups. And so, you know, with this togetherness that I mentioned before and this particular age group, I think there's a special sauce that's in there that I think is, that's really special. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other piece that we hear a lot about is social emotional learning that is very much central to the pre-K curriculum. How do you work okay together in groups? Reflecting on what it's like to be a parent, that's 80, 90% of what I feel like I can impart to my son at this point. How do you think about that? How is that part of what you're trying to deliver with Dancing Panda? How are you uh, addressing the, the SEL side of things? Yeah. So we, our activities have, that include seven subjects. So math, ELA, science, social studies, music, arts, and wellness. Mm. And within wellness, we're experimenting a little bit with some social emotional learning materials. I've got a great team of curriculum writers, all either current or former teachers in the classroom. And I think talking about scenarios, you know, a third grade one that I want to try out is one of your friends who's getting teased by another classmate. What do you do in that situation? And it's almost like discussion prompts yeah. that a parent could do. And so I think that's really important. And I think those kinds of activities or seeing a video, but having a conversation and talking through can be really valuable and taking a page definitely from some of the best practices around SCL right now and, and how our guidance counselors and teachers all managing things ever since the pandemic. Yeah. And then the role of technology you've touched on, but maybe we could hit that a little more directly. The delivery mode is SMS, which is an interesting choice. And as a parent, I 100% understand the value of that because the amount of time I spend on my phone when I'm on the go, and if I just get a text, it prompts me, gets me in a context where I can get reminded of something quickly. And then how much 
the actual activities are technology-based. It seemed like it was text-based delivery and then mostly offline in terms of how you're engaging with your child. Can you explain how you landed in that mode of delivery, those media formats? Yeah, so it, it was intentionally low tech. I think there's sort of like two things, two sides of the coin, shall we say. From a practical standpoint, again, my email's a hot mess. I was like, I don't see things. I, and so I was like, email doesn't feel like the right method of delivery. But mm. text messages, they're easier to find. They're right there and they pop up. And so I think that from a like a practical kind of feeling. And then when I looked into like the marketing side and the tech side of things, the open rates and click-through rates for SMS is much higher than email. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's great. And then the last piece that I was thinking about was really who is dancing panda for? And something that's been really important to me is that something I'm really passionate about is making sure that everyone, all children, no matter where they live, the color of their skin, who they are, um, they have access to high quality educational resources. And when looking at low income families and urban families and rural families, wanted to figure out and think through what's the greatest way to deliver things. And I think text messaging was at the top of the list. There's something like 98% of people have access to text messages and can get things. And I think that will evolve over time, you know, as I talk to more users and do more focus groups. But I think definitely there is intentionality from the get-go around SMS from the start. Yeah. And if folks, we've been teasing the whole time, if folks want to learn more, where should they go? What should they do if parents out there want to explore what Dancing Panda is, what should they do? Yeah, go to our website. It's www.dancingpanda.com. There's a sample activity right at the front and there's a free learning program that you can do as well. That's You can click right from the homepage. And so we welcome folks to participate and get Dancing Panda for two months and we'd love to hear how it is. So definitely, you know, don't hesitate to contact us and give us some feedback or just text us right back and just let us know what you think of the activities. Yeah. And the related point, I guess, is as a parent, connecting with other parents has been a big deal. I'm just getting started now with that, but it's becoming a bigger deal where that's like your peer group, that's your support group, that's who you can bounce ideas off of. How are you thinking about tapping into a community of parents and families who can learn from each other as much as they're learning from you? Yeah, Michael, you're like getting right into my brain. I am actually the former director, the founding director of community at Newzella and creating community and creating the that kind of environment, supportive environment, collaborative environment, I think is really important. And I am involved and participate in quite a number of parent communities. And so longer term, I have of plans where I would like to create, a, you know, a parent community sharing how are parents using it? How are parents using Dancing Panda activities? How are they tweaking it? How are they changing it? I was one activity that was like called Antonym Act Out where kids need to like, it's almost like charades, but they realized the family wanted to do it with verbs. They wanted to do it with nouns. They're like, Took it to the next level. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing where I'm a big fan of teaching someone to fish rather than giving them to fish. And so, you know, want to be able to foster a community to be able to share some of those those best practices and how people are doing it. Right now, the community doesn't really exist, but it's something that I hope to do in the future. I could could see the equivalent of Minecraft boards being built, (laughs) user-generated content. 
you name it. And once you engage in the creative power of, of the community out there, and as you mentioned, you were able to tap into that in New Zella. So it'll be really interesting to see how to bring that to parents. You know, I'm getting a lot of solicitation from the PTA right now, and it's not quite <laughs> landing where I want it to go. So I think there is an unmet need out there. We're getting closer to time here, Deborah. It's been a great conversation so far. I always like to ask my guests outside of what we talked about, what are you noticing in the world around us? Anything else capturing your imagination? Anything else you're noticing that our listeners might benefit from? Yeah, I think what's top of mind for me, actually, just posted about this on my Facebook wall, is I just learned that the first Asian American will be on a U.S. currency. So the U.S. Mint will be making quarters with Anna Mae Wong. And she was an actress, one of the, the first, very first Asian American actresses. And I was just reading about her history and her impact on Hollywood. And she's it's really a fascinating story. And so I'm excited to get those quarters in hand and show them to my girls and talk yeah. to them. As someone who identifies as Chinese American, that's really exciting for me and something that I want to share with my daughters and with other families as well. Yeah, and it sounds like... In addition to learning something new, it sounds like that may be the foundation of a dancing panda exercise in the future. I could already admit <laughs> Yes, that's a good point. You got coins, oh, you got history. Come on. Connect. 100%. 100%. <laughs> talking about different folks in history, especially with folks with different diverse backgrounds, talking about our, our Black friends, Latinx friends, et cetera. So 100% trying to embed, you know, those diverse histories and cultures into dancing panda is a priority as well. Awesome. And as we conclude here, Deborah, we always love to give a guest a chance for concluding thoughts, just to sum up some takeaways for our listeners. If there's any way to summarize what we've just talked about and give folks something to think about as they move on to the rest of their lives, platform is yours. Take it wherever you yeah. want to go. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've mentioned it before, but I want to make another plug for it. Reach out to those teachers, whether they're in your daycare, in your child's school, even if you're a parent of a high schooler. I think that I've worked with so many teachers over the years that teachers are always excited and delighted to talk to parents. And so I would just encourage the parents out there and the caregivers out there to really um have the courage and to be brave and to start a conversation with a teacher and not have it be about something bad, but have something good. And I think that um, you'll both find it very rewarding. So I want to make sure that I mention that. That's awesome. Yeah. It reminds me of the parenting adage, catch them being good, you know, go in from a positive frame rather than from a negative frame, just to build that foundation of trust because at the end of the day it is a partnership that is built on trust and empathy just like everything else is outstanding stuff deborah lee is the founder and ceo of dancing panda you can check it all out at dancingpanda.com a pleasure having you on the show thanks so much for joining thanks so much have a great day awesome and for our listeners hopefully you enjoyed what you heard if you did please subscribe write a review do all the good things we'll be back again soon this is Trending in Education.